2: with new games released each week, you can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void required, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. plus. KCAA Loma
3: Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.
1: Special report, coronavirus update. More White House staffers have tested positive for COVID-19. Correspondent Sarah Westwood reports the Trump administration is implementing measures to stem infections. Some of the steps they're taking inside the White House to mitigate the spread includes more
2: frequent cleaning of those White House uh, spaces and also stepping up coronavirus testing, stepping up temperature checks within the White House because earlier this week CNN had reported uh, that Inside the White House, mask guidelines, social distancing guidelines, those were not being followed all that closely. People weren't necessarily wearing masks inside the
1: building. They weren't necessarily staying six feet apart from their colleagues. But those measures are going to be more strictly enforced. President Trump has announced on Twitter today that the U.S. will start buying $3 billion worth of dairy, meat and produce from farmers. It will be donated to food lines and food banks. The number of confirmed coronavirus cases in the United States has now hit 1.3 million. I'm Ann Cates. A bipartisan group of senators wants emergency funding for the U.S. Postal Service included in the next coronavirus stimulus bill. The request follows earlier testimony from Postmaster General Megan Brennan, who told members of Congress that the Postal Service is poised to lose $13 billion from the COVID-19 pandemic and an additional $54 billion over the next decade. President Trump, who has long been critical of the management of the agency, has called for privatization of the Postal Service. He's also threatened to veto the $10 billion loan to the Postal Service approved by Congress last month, unless the agency substantially raises shipping prices lindy kenyon washington tesla ceo elon musk is threatening to pull the company's factory and headquarters out of california and an escalating spat with local officials over reopening an electric vehicle plant musk wrote that the covid 19 restrictions are the final straw and that tesla will move its headquarters and future programs to texas or nevada i'm ann Cates.
4: kcaa bob vila here with my home improvement tip of the day Has a pint-sized major league prospect in your neighborhood recently hit a home run through your bedroom window? Here are some tips for fixing it. Once you have your gloves and goggles on, remove the broken shards by pulling them toward you. That way, if a shard breaks, the splinters will go the other way. Scrape and sand the frame of the sash where the new pane will fit, then run a bead of latex caulk around the frame. That'll provide a good cushion for the glass and also help make the window weather tight. To help you position the glass, Just grasp a short length of duct tape in the middle, forming a tab, then stick the tape onto the glass. That'll function as a temporary handle. Once you have the new pane in place, open your glazing compound. Remove a lump with your putty knife, then roll it on a flat surface until it looks like a length of rope. Set it next to the edge of the glass and use the putty knife to smooth it out. Once you add a few more lengths of glazing compound around the window, you'll be done. Get more info at BobVila.com and right here at home with me, Bob
3: Here's the legend of Mountain Mike's Pizza. There's a tale the early settlers tell that while panning for gold just below San Francisco near the Redwoods, a unique discovery was made. Not just gold in the ground, but the golden smell of Mountain Mike's Pizza and their fresh homemade pepperonis. A taste the 49ers from all over California couldn't pass up. It was pizza from the mountaintop. Pizza the way it ought to be. Since 70-aught 8, Mountain Mike's has been dishing up pizza dough, rolled fresh daily using real whole milk mozzarella with mouthwash watering delicious fresh ingredients including their legendary crisp curly pepperoni that makes their pizza sought after like the gold of the 1800s. Now, Mountain Mike's has come to Redlands, located at the Redlands Packing House District near Sprouts. Feed your family for the holidays at mountainmikespizza.com or 909-335-1133. That's 909-335-1133 and discover this pizza gold for yourself. Google Mountain Mike's Redlands. Do you have a debt problem? Are you being sued for an unpaid debt? Is your paycheck being garnished or your bank account emptied out? Do you feel like you're running out of options? The Fulman Firm is your friendly local law firm next door and has helped thousands of people just like you. Give us a call at 833-FULMAN and see if we can help you too. It's a free confidential consultation. You have nothing to lose. For debts above $7,000, give us a call at 833-FULMAN or check out FulmanFirm.com. That's 833-F-U-L-L-M-A-N. The Fulman Firm. Let our lawyers get you on the path to financial freedom. The proceeding is not intended as a guarantee or estimate of the outcome of your case. Every case is unique, and past results are not indicators of the success of your case. Take control of your financial future and call 833 Fulman or visit FulmanFirm.com now.
1: At Southern California Edison, we take pride in our role as an essential service provider, working 24 7 to ensure that our 15 million customers have power. Still, there will be outages, so our crews can do the critical work necessary to protect public safety and reduce the risk of wildfires. If you experience an outage, we will make every effort to minimize the impact. Thank you for helping keep our communities safe. Learn more at sce.com.
2: Five Star Auto Glass and U.S. Auto Glass would like to say that drug abuse is no joking matter. Talk to your children about the dangers of substance abuse. This reminder is from Five Star Auto Glass. For professional auto glass services and the job done right the first time, stop by Five Star Auto Glass at 4811 Van Buren Boulevard, Suite A, or their second location, U.S. Auto Glass, at 5510 Van Buren Boulevard, Suite C. And mention this ad for 10% off. That's Five Star Auto Glass and U.S. Auto Glass on the air they care. Talk 102.3 FM Riverside. KCAA NBC Radio News dot com.
5: Allahu <gasps>
2: Assalamu alaikum, peace be on to you. You are listening to the Voice of Islam radio show. My name is Osama Safi and you're joined with myself and Armagan Dastala. Assalamu alaikum, Armagan.
6: Wa alaikum, assalam, peace be on to you. The Voice of Islam radio show is brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, which is the oldest organized Muslim community in the United States. The Ahmadiyya Muslim Community has been teaching the true teachings of Islam, which is love for all and hatred for none for the past 100 years here in the states join in on our conversation here in the studio by dialing in 1888-909-1050 that's 1888-909-1050 you can call us anytime during the show and of course you can email us during the show uh, or after at the voice of islam radio show at gmail.com Osama how are you doing today?
2: You know I'm I'm doing all right we're in day 15 15- of Ramadan halfway through our month of fasting and uh, I'm, I think I'm hitting my stride now a little bit you know I think I'm kind of getting used to the difficulties of Ramadan well it's kind of a double-edged sword because I'm like oh man this is really hard but then I'm like there's only 15 days left like it's gonna be over before I know it and then I'm gonna remember Ramadan because it's funny what I, I don't know about you but I think we all look fondly for one Ramadan to come and then when it's upon us we enjoy the blessings and everything but it's also pretty hard every single day fasting for the length of time that we do you know
6: yeah uh, that that's, that's absolutely yourself? right i think you hit it on hit the nail on the head in you know once yeah. you get 15 days into anything and especially fasting for us um we really kind of get in this rhythm and so uh now it's kind of just become business as usual um to wake <laughs> up in the morning 4am you know get yeah. your food ready eat pray in the, uh, in the mornings as we, as we typically do, and then, um, get on with your day. You know, it's, it, it, I think the first week mm-hmm. is usually the toughest week for everybody. And, um, mm-hmm. after that, you know, you start to refresh. I mean, I, I feel like I have more energy now than I typically would. Um, and I'm still fasting. So, you know, it, it really is, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think we've hit that, we've, we've kind of hit that, that peak and now it's just the descent Definitely. to the other side.
2: Definitely. And I checked my weight yesterday and I actually had, I was five pounds less, and this was post dinner, mind you, post the you know, iftar. <laughs> so that that's saying something. I don't know, you know. And hopefully, those five pounds of weight is also five pounds of uh, spiritual cleansing that I've gone through as well. Because you know, folks know, Ramadan is a month of spirituality and cleansing. Um, but we had a really great discussion last week, right? We had uh, Rabbi Hillel Cohen. We had uh, Reverend Cardoza come in. We had uh, um, um, our, our mom, Thar. More come in and we had an interesting three-way discussion about fasting and the interfaith aspect but being that this is folks's favorite Muslim talk show we of course want to get into the conversation of you know why god why accept islam and why uh, why is accepting god even important um, and i think that's a discussion that we'll be having today
6: that's absolutely right. And, you know, we want to really get into the meta of the discussion and, and, and really figure out what it is that separates Ahmadi Muslims and our belief in God from the rest of the world, you know, because so many of the world, so many folks mm-hmm. in the world nowadays, you know, they, they have a simple belief in, I'll, I'll just be good and I'll, I'll, I'll you know, live nicely with my neighbors and, um, yeah. you know, why do I need an organized religion? So hopefully, hopefully we can get to tackling that question uh, on today's show. Yeah.
2: I mean that's what we do here. We just answer life's most difficult questions. I mean, come on, folks. That's why you're listening to us to really <laughs> get into. <laughs> We're not gonna make it easy. <laughs> We're not gonna make it easy. But um, when we live in a society when you know a lot of us are agnostic and a lot of us really want to look at why do we believe in religion? Why do we want to follow that religion? Um, this is an opportunity to kind of understand that, to look at it from a rationalist perspective, look at it logically, and, and you know, get that discussion that we're going to get into today.
6: That's right. And, you know, on today's show, to, to really uh, assist us and, and not even assist, more lead us in this discussion, you know, we always want to bring in better minds than our own. Um, so we have two very special guests coming on the show. Um, the first guest um, is actually the National Director of Outreach for the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community. His name is Dr. Vasim Saeed. He's been a member of the National Board for the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community since 1995 and currently has a responsibility for outreach across the nation. He has previously been assigned responsibilities in Bolivia, Colombia, Guatemala, and most recently in Mex- Mexico, where he was uh, blessed in, establ- in supporting the establishment of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, in, in in that country and in the previous countries mentioned. Uh, in addition to the, the blessings of being able to establish the community in those countries, he's also been blessed to be able to translate the books of the holy founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim communities uh, into English. Um, Dr. Vaseem Said joins us with a PhD in Theoretical Elementary Particle Physics, which is certainly a mouthful, from the Imperial College of London, England, and is a scientist by training. And he is here with us today, Dr. Vaseem Said. as wa Peace be on to you. Wa Peace, buddy. I
5: think that build-up is a little bit too much, but I take what I can.
2: No, no, we're glad to have you here, gracias, señor, for uh, you know, uh, um, for coming on the show. And that's the extent of my Spanish, so we'll just keep that. Um, but yeah, to, to jump right into it, could you kind of give us an overview of what your job entails? You know, what does out, outreach what does it entail? Kind of, what's the job description? What um, what 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 are the different faculties of things that you're kind of looking into? I
5: think the uh, essential duty of a national Secretary of uh, Outreach is to make sure that uh, every member of the community throughout the country understands that conveying the message, conveying the truth that we believe is uh, essential in order for us to establish a living relationship with God. And, you know, that is uh, the central Beam of all religions. It's what religion is about. A lot of people these days talk about religion, and they want to get into why can't you eat pork, why do women have to do this, and why that. And uh, to get actually, first, let's find out what we are supposed to be really using the religion to achieve. Mm -hmm. So my duty really is to convince everybody, try and uh, go and motivate members of the community that look We, by having accepted the guide God has sent into the world in this age, have been blessed to to receive an understanding of religion that is uh, needed by everybody. And it's a rational, uh, it's intellectually satisfying, it's a a way and a path Mm -hmm. that actually makes our lives so much more peaceful and so much more directed towards some goal in life which is not just uh, filling our belly and not just uh, having fun uh, ourselves and our family, but also uh, realizes and is in accord with the fact that if the rest of the society is not benefiting, then one day we also are going to be running into problems. So that's what my duty is, to go around trying the best, uh, first of all myself and then also the members of the community, that we should engage our uh, neighbors, and we should engage Mm -hmm. our co-workers uh, in understanding and appreciating uh, the truth that is actually found in all religions, that there is only one Mm -hmm. God, and that uh, He is gracious, He has provided us with all that exists, and uh, in this age also is just as reachable as He was in the past. You know, it's not the case that He thwarted the sea Mm -hmm. And he took care of the Pharaoh, and he did uh, all kinds of things in the past, but that today somehow he neither speaks nor manifests himself in our lives nor is concerned with our welfare. None of that is true. God is unchanging, so he's the same God that was uh, in the past, and the other thing is that he's uh, universal. he' not he hasn't mm-hmm. selected a group of people to be his, and all the rest you know he couldn't care less. I have four children by the grace of God with my wife. We provided uh, to the best of our ability for their physical sustenance and everything. But it's not the case that we only chose to educate one of them and the other three we had to act with it, you know. So God did not select a people to get the spiritual guidance that uh, he wanted to provide us so that we know how to live in peace. He established this, uh, you know, garden, so to speak, the Garden of Eden, for all of mankind to enjoy. So in the past, when the people were living in small communities, their entire world was a kilometer in circle, God sent a limited amount of teaching. It couldn't be preserved even in those days. So it really was the case that he was giving them what they needed for those circumstances. And all the religions were founded by men who were given revelation by God and uh, taught to develop the love of God in the other people. And this is really what we are here to do. Uh, And we recognize the universality of God and the oneness of God and the oneness of humanity. And uh, it's really to be inspired ourselves with the need to do this. And uh, that's really what my job is, to go and try and, you know, live that to the best of my ability first, and then somehow or the other pray to God that he helps me to... You know, convince the rest of the members that let's do this. It's a job that will be very satisfying because it fulfills those two responsibilities that we have in Islam: our duty to God and our duty to fellow man. So that's really, I think, in a nutshell—maybe a, not a small nutshell, but but that's what that's what my job is.
6: Yeah. Now, now, Doctor Waseem, I really want to zoom in on, on on what you just mentioned, and and you had talked about. You know, in essence is, you know guiding man towards establishing a relationship with God um, and, and and throughout history you had mentioned examples of when you know God has come to establish relationship with man. but you know nowadays with the, the modern demographic and of course we're, we're very much living in a, a first world um, not just here but even globally conditions are, are fantastic for most people uh, relative to the history of man. And so one would ask the question of of why accept is uh, why accept uh, accepting God is important. And I want to I really want to ask to to kind of preface this for the layman. You know where where would he find a need to accept God as opposed to just going about his regular life without yes. thinking of God? Yes. I,
5: I think this is um, a really a point that is misunderstood. Everybody says, especially when they feel that this is you know when I'm getting really to them and saying, look, no, no, you've got to do this. So everybody says, you know, the people of America, the people of Europe, the well-developed countries, they, they've got everything. They don't need God. You know, it is the most false thing that anybody can utter. Because you know and I know, having a car, and having all of these things, if life is hell at home, if uh, you cannot get along with your wife or your children or your friends or your neighbors, if there is a mass shooting every other you know, hour in the country and hundreds and thousands of people are killed in this way, there is a, a need, and all of us have it, for finding contentment. And it's missing. And this is uh, actually the case every time God sends a prophet. God is not uh, just, you know, desirous of, oh, well, you know, I'll bug somebody to go and uh, take people up and do this. He sends the prophet and he sends his spiritual guidance at a time when mankind left to his own devices for centuries and having forgotten what God had told told them previously, is heading towards destruction. And so if you look in the most advanced country, actually that is where God is needed more than even in the poor country. When you're poor, when your belly is not full, your children are starving, they don't have water to drink, you know, you remember God. And uh, as a consequence, you turn to God, and God is the most powerful and the greatest, and he helps you when you ask him, he comes to your help. But here in these countries is where we need to be reminded that, look, getting a car only makes even more of a pain and a hassle and uh, destroys your contentment because you got to now worry about its cleaning and maintenance and oil change and uh, monthly payment. And maybe one of your family members will take it out, not having learned properly how to drive and may kill somebody or may get killed. So every time you acquire something, you end up being that much more enslaved to it. Instead of it serving you, you end up serving it. And uh, the only being that you can attach yourself to who will help you and not require you to sustain him is God. So actually, uh, I would say that this is the the recognition, the realization that we have to have that the rest of mankind, if uh, we can succeed uh, with love, not with arrogance, not with, uh, you know, we know and you don't know, with the realization that God has been gracious to us, not to our abilities or our greatness Mm -hmm. or our uh, virtue. Have we been blessed with this? It's just the sheer grace of God that we happen to know and have accepted the guide of this age who has Verified for us all of these things, and it's our loan, our uh, what, wait, what, what, our debt to God that we should go and convey this to
2: people. So, what would be, and you know, this show is known for asking the hot seat questions. So, I, I know you we're talking about God, and, and folks may be listening on our show and thinking, well, what about those folks who are successful in this world and they clearly, you know, aren't behaving in godly ways? How is it fair that they have this type of success and they don't believe in God and you know they don't have an organized religion? So why do they need? A, why do we need a religion when you have these examples before us? And the yeah, people in Africa who might be needing God? Well, it's a good thing I'm not there and starving, right? You know that's So what would be your response to someone that might think of that?
5: I think the realization of uh, a truth, the understanding of a truth, the the ability or the good, you know, favor of uh, being able to acquire a truth is uh, something that everybody needs. Um, when I was in Mexico, I used to give this example to uh, people that, you know, a father gives his son uh, 100 pesos and tells him to go and buy a newspaper, which costs 35, and he wants to see if he comes back with the right change. So, you know, this, this man, he had actually asked me the same question you asked me. What? Good is there in knowing about God? You know, I got everything. I don't need. The, I'm successful. And I told him that, look, your child, if he goes there and you taught him math, he'll come back home with the right change. Every truth has value, and uh, there is no truth which is more valuable than the truth that leads you to the Creator of the universe. How much would you give, sir? to be able to have the private number of Bill Gates today and be able to have his ear if you were in the investment banking community and you knew that he's one of the richest men in the world and he can get you some of that stuff. The most uh, valuable relationships in our life are the ones that uh, can assist us in our whatever goals we have. And there is nobody better, and I can't, I, 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 you know, There's no way, I don't care how rich anybody is, whether he has 100 billion or 200 billion. It is nothing in comparison to the relationship with God. And this is not just something I'm saying. This was the relationship that Moses had, peace be upon him, with God that enabled him to stand in front of a man who thought he was God and he owned everything, the Pharaoh of Egypt. And he wasn't scared, he wasn't afraid. And uh, in the end, in the context, Moses, peace be upon him, Prevailed and uh, this other man drowned. He died and took his people with him. He was rich. He was powerful. The same is the case of anybody who in this world is successful and rich. They need God, and uh, sooner or later they will find a situation in which all that they have, you know, you heard that famous phrase of the king who is, uh, you know, at the end of his rope, and he says he's got a horse, and he's saying, you know, my my kingdom for a horse. He's in need of a horse. He says no. Listen, I need a horse. You can have my kingdom. So this uh, kind of a situation uh, arises in the life of everybody, no matter how rich or powerful they may be at any one moment in their life. And uh, having the most powerful uh, creator of the universe on your side and a living relationship with him is really the richness and the power and the might that uh, everybody wants. And in the bargain, you end up getting contentment. I remember the uh, both uh, the, you know head of our community, Ms. Mirza Tahir Ahmed, uh, may he rest in peace and uh, may Allah have mercy on him. He told me or told all of us once that he went to one of the richest people in Pakistan once. And as he walked in, the man became so emotional. He said in front of me, he tore his shirt and he said, everybody else thinks I'm rich. But uh, he tore his shirt and he told uh, Mr. Tahir Ahmed that, look, inside my heart, there is a raging fire and I don't know how to put it out. And so this is really uh, the need of everybody. And a lot of people think success is having money, and as I mentioned in the beginning, possessions and wealth, you don't know the problems that the rich have. Most people are unaware of the burning in their heart. All the people, they don't even know if they have any real friends. A lot of Mm -hmm. times they're worried whether their own family is wishing for them to die so they can inherit all the stuff that he has. So the difficulties and the Challenges and the hell that is inside our hearts and minds, and uh, is not uh, quenched or uh, put to rest or quietened or uh, you know mollified just by having more money.
6: So, uh, kind of getting getting into your work with outreach, and, and again, kind of trying to talk to the the, the layman that might be listening. You know, I have plenty of, of, of peers, uh, friends that, you know, are, are, are not Muslim. They don't ascribe to any type of organized religion at all. Uh, but they have this firm, innate belief in being good and the goodness of man. And, you know, they themselves are, you know, these kind of these warriors of social justice. And they believe in the collective morality of, of the nation. And so... I always often have, you know, it, it becomes difficult to talk to these folks when you're trying to explain, you know, how religion can help you be morally better. When they say, well, I'm already morally better, I believe in just being good. So h- how do we talk to those
5: folks? Well, wh- what would you say, Dr. Wasim? Yes, I think uh, a lot of people have this notion when it comes to religion that they don't need uh, organized religion. They don't, need, You know, I always say to everybody, uh, next time you're out in the road, try and drive on the wrong side and see how far that gets you. Uh, We recognize in ordinary life where we recognize the need for law and order and direction. The real problem with most people is not that they are against religion. They just don't feel it has anything to offer. If they were to become convinced of the fact that God is real and existence is real, they would not have a problem with the recognition that, yes, mankind and to bring everybody into oneness and peace and you need to have order and law and rules and regulations and the teachings that uh, people can live with uh, at home which will have peace established between the father and the mother between the parents and the children between the neighbors uh, you know next door to you and the one who is uh, sitting with you in the the train or in the car so I think the question isn't that uh, it's really not not I mean, you have to understand the real force uh, for that kind of a comment that I am okay, I am morally good. It's when you hit the situation that we are hitting right now in the United States. When you hit problems that you really find out where there, all that stuff that you used to say that I am morally good and I would do. It. When it comes your life or somebody else's life, that's when you really find out where there is inside you some reason for serving others and taking care of others and being worried about others, even if it's your wife and children. The situation is that uh, sometimes in life, when you face these kinds of tests, you begin to realize, oh, my God, I don't even care about my wife or my children. All I want is my little night off, or I want to be able to go to the pub or to the football game and heck with what my children or my wife need. And uh, you see the guy rush out of the door and said, you know, no, this is where I'm. This is my priority. So, what religion, what Islam says is that without the anchor of God, without the realization of the existence of God, without believing that life after death is real and we are going to have to give an accounting of our, uh, you know, what God gave us, we cannot hold on to these values just on the basis.
2: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: This is, uh, oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to do it, you know? Well,
2: well said, well said. And remember, folks, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, one 909 1050 909 1050 So, Dr. Basim, since this is folks' favorite Muslim talk show, we want to kind of get into the question of, okay, we're having this conversation of God. Uh, But why should we pick the Muslim God? Why should we pick the idea
5: of believing in Islam? And what would be your response to them on that? Yes, I think uh, God, according to all the religions, or even just an ordinary man sitting in his home thinking that if there is such a thing, such a being, obviously the intricacies of the laws of nature and the universality of those laws and the lack of any flaw in the way they interconnect with each other and they work in Mexico as well as they work on the stars, billions of light years away from us and whatnot, tell us that there's only one God. And uh, it's not the God of Islam, it's not the God of, it's the God of all mankind. And for always, has Mm -hmm. been and will be. The question only is, uh, does God take interest in our affairs, and can we heal You know, can we can we kind of get our uh, concern in front of Him, and will He respond? And the Quran assures us, and all the scriptures of all the religions assure us that if man re- you know reaches out to God, God reaches out. In fact, the Holy Prophet, uh, the founder of Islam, used to say that if a person starts walking towards God, God starts running towards him. But walking towards God is not uh, simple, straightforward, sitting on your desk and doing something. It's also doing something for his creatures. The way you reach God, the the methods that Islam teaches, are so comprehensive and so in tune with our own nature, our own behavior, our own uh, feelings and sense, tells us that what Islam says, that we should remember God all the time. That in remembering God, there is peace and contentment to be had. And that in remembering God, we should we realize that just like if somebody wants to get in the good books of a, a woman and she has children, you show love for your her, the, the, her children and you will get into the heart of that woman or that father. And uh, these are the rules and regulations and the methods that God has taught to Islam, which have not been uh, interpolated or adulterated over the centuries, as has happened in many scriptures, sadly. And it's this methodology and this uh, prescription that is in consonance with our own feelings and sense and nature that we invite people to use. And uh, God is just the same God of everybody. And uh, the idea is that uh, one should look for the shortest route and one should uh, be charitable and the caring of the rest of humanity and then watch how God comes to you. And then when God comes to you and when you establish a relationship with God, you follow God wherever he takes you.
6: Mm. Uh, Very well said, Dr. Rasim, and and I thank you for for going into that uh, explanation. Now, I I do want to, in the last two minutes here, just pivot really quick um, and and ask you this question. Of course, you're the National Director for Outreach for the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community. And one thing that I know myself I'm curious about, and maybe folks listening at home would be curious about as well, is... You know, right now you have a lens to the nation in terms of outreach and the youth, and 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 kind of what our what our our condition is, how how the youth are receptive towards religion, and you know what are, what is our spiritual health basically. Would you be able to share any any of your observations, how we're doing, and and what you've observed?
5: What I've observed uh, with the, vis-a-vis the youth is fundamentally that they want to do things. Um, they are much more. Uh, Excited and uh, vibrant and alive when I say to them that let's go and uh, you know fulfill the right of service to our neighbor and uh, and it is really uh, selflessly not with the view to conveying the message or preaching that we ask people to go and serve people uh, but you know it just happens so when you go out with sincerity and uh, especially uh, you know in these days I am reading the story of this woman in Canada who, her husband was in the United States, it's just like three, four days ago. And uh, her, you know, child was suffering from some pain, and even the hospital refused. He said, no, we can't help you with the medicine, you have to wait until tomorrow. And uh, she knew about the Muslim community's youth who were uh, ready to help, and she called uh, the number that she had at 2 a.m. in the morning. And it turns out that that man said, I'll drive long distance, go to the pharmacy which is open, bring you the medicine. She said I was an atheist, I am an atheist all my life. And I was praying to God that somebody should help me at this time. And this man really, by his actions, changed my mind. And now I am convinced that, yes, there is a living God, and I am. And it was just this one act of charity. So I th- I am moved by the fact that the youth want to do things. And I think that is really the way to engage them. And when they do things, it's that famous statement of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that when you walk towards God, when you serve his teachers, he comes running towards you. And it is a simple statement, but you know, when a person experiences God running towards them, you need to ask that person what he feels. Now this woman felt that that night when her child saying that she could not bear to watch God resolved by the good action of this one man at two AM that's in the night. When so she had lost hope in everything. So that's really the that experience true. that we gotta have
2: yeah that's that's really i mean a lot of religion you know we we look at it from two lens there's a the spirituality of it and then there's a the rationality too but you really have to have that spiritual experience to really gain that conviction in god and and have that bond with god and you know we're hopeful that all of us can experience that our viewers can experience that and we want to also thank you dr Racine, for coming on the show we really appreciate you taking out your time on a, your busy schedule and joining us so thank you again uh, we hope to have you again on the show soon. Pleasure
5: right like, and honor. God bless everybody. You. Please remember to pray for the whole of humanity that he, he can God takes this pandemic away from us and save God as well. I mean, thank you.
2: Thank so, you. Armageddon, that was a, that was a great discussion that we just had with Doctor Seem. I mean, it really kind of tied in different themes and the importance of why we need God in today's day and age.
6: Absolutely. You know, I, I, w- the one, I mean, uh, Dr. Rasim raised many very mm-hmm. profound points. And the one point that I really want to zoom in on right now that stood out to me, and, and it's a point that I often also lean on, when I am talking to folks that are having a difficulty in accepting a creator and believe simply in being good, the The point that Dr. Rasim had made was with regards to God being your anchor. And, I, I don't I, I think you know most of us that are born believing in God don't actually understand the weight of that anchor you know when when we believe in god and we do good God is the anchor that in, encourages us and and keeps us doing good through the good times and the bad you know the analogy that dr yeah. Rasim gave is you know he'll keep us from driving on the wrong side of the freeway just because we can whereas yeah. someone that may not believe in god or may not follow an organized religion you know they will do good to the best of their ability until they simply can't they will lack that anchor and life yeah. will happen. And in that situation, you know, if yeah. the whole world didn't believe in God, then you have chaos. You have ultimately, it comes down to the survival of the fittest. So I really right. uh, appreciated that point. What about you, Osama? What, what what'd you? I
2: think that's yeah. No, no. I, I just just following on to that. It's that's a really good point because you know the path of least resistance it isn't going to be the one that's the most spiritually or morally good. You know, and a lot of times it's the one that's going to be the most selfish. It's going to be the one that's going to be not really beneficial for mankind. And that's kind of where our society is trending towards. That's why we have these conversations on climate change and other such things. It's because we sometimes live a life where we think about ourselves rather than the impact of others or the impact on others. Um, So we have so much homelessness here, unfortunately, in L.A., things like that. And saying that there is no need for a God really shows you that you you have to think about when you're tested at your fullest might and you don't have any willpower, what are you going to do next? Are you going to just rely on your own willpower to do what's right? Or are you going to remember this anchor to kind of keep you where you need to be? Um, but to really kind of focus in on that anchor, you know, we probably should have a conversation with somebody that actually went through this experience of finding God and, you know, figured out that Islam was a religion for them. And for that, we have Jonathan Gafar on the line with us. Jonathan, assalamualaikum. Um, can you Jonathan, hear me? Jonathan, I know you, I, loud and clear. It's like you're in my ear. Oh, yeah. it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and,
6: but and, um, Osama, if I can very quickly pivot, it looks like we do have a caller on the line. So I do want to take a moment um, to, to bring the caller on. Uh, welcome to the Voice of Islam Radio Show. You're on live with us. What's your name and where are you calling from?
7: Assalamu alaikum. My name is Hasim Abdullah Babatu, and I'm the director of outreach from uh, the Amharic Muslim community in Milwaukee.
6: Wa alaikum salam. Welcome to the show. Very good to have you. Uh, what have you got for us today?
7: Well, I was listening to Dr. Wasim, uh, and I've been enjoying the conversation. I listened to you guys. I've called a few times. Unfortunately, I didn't, never got a chance to get on, but I'm glad to be on. My thing is, uh, you know, I, I love what we're doing all around the country. How we're populating uh the areas, you know, with literature, uh the Messiah has come signs and things of that nature to spread and convey the message of Islam Ahmadid. But I and but it's not adding up to bias. And one of the things I think we need to do more of is actually really service in the community. You know, I'm hoping that uh we start taking that to another level, especially now we see with this pandemic going on Right here in Milwaukee, I've given out over 30,000 masks during this pandemic. We have masks of Milwaukee that has given us some. So our organization here in Milwaukee, we've been passing those out. But I think uh, after this, we need to get more food pantries, uh, do more outreach, you know, direct people to other services. We don't have to be the provider, but if we could be the one to guide them to some of the resources that they can get, because people are looking for something special. And uh, Ahmadiyya Islam, right now, is what's very special, and every individual that I've sat down and talked with, it, it it really has opened their mind up when I start explaining who we are, what we believe, and uh, and explain the true difference between us, mainstream Islam, the nation of Islam, you know, and all the other sects. Then when I really give them our belief in Jesus, that we believe he lived to be 120 years old, how he died a natural death, these are things that really shocks them to hear these things, but this is what the this is what the people are looking for.
6: Absolutely, That's very, good. very beautiful, beautifully said. And and uh, you know, it's it, it's so important. I mean, in in the Quran, uh, our holy book, we are we are um, urged by God to take care of our community, neighbors, and family. And so, uh, I, I really love what you're doing in Milwaukee, uh, distributing masks and and really, you know, walking that line and and. Taking care of your community, family, and neighbors, and it's 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 definitely great advice for not only for us to maintain, but also for our listeners. Um, we thank you so much for for calling in, and we wish you peace and happiness, and uh, all the way in Milwaukee. And we hope to hear from you again.
7: Yes, Jazakum Ramadan Mubarak.
6: Khair Mubarak. I'm going
7: to
2: Ramadan. give
7: a shout
0: out Ramadan. to my brother Baba too, too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Great. No, How are you doing, I, you man? Know, Jonathan, I'm I'm curious, you know, that aspect of Islam um that you brought up is so important for us. You know, we're not here just to 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 walk the walk and not talk to talk to talk and not walk the walk. We're here to do everything in combined. We're here to show people that mm-hmm. Islam isn't just about having faith, it's about making that faith actually do something. It's about showing that service to humanity. And this past mm-hmm. pandemic has really been an example of that for our faith. And I'm curious if that ever influenced you in terms of when you want to do you know, joined
0: Islam. Oh, what, what got me interested? in? Right, yeah. Yeah, because this was like, you know, a long time ago, basically, 1994. And I was a Taoist at the time, which is like Chinese philosophy. And so I was never really ever looking at organized religion. To me, it was, you know, the opiate of the masses, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And... I had seen, you know, my grandmother was Catholic, and I just didn't see how basically organized religion seemed to be really uh, kind of a uh, like a magic show, right? Like, here, just believe in this, and, you know, you get all this stuff. And I remember I was about 10 or 11 years old, and a street preacher saw me, and, you know, I'm visually impaired, and people can tell, and I remember he... He was very earnest. I, you know, I really felt for the guy, and I was, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll believe in Jesus if you can heal my eye. You know what I mean? And I was like, I was, I was not anti-Christian or anything, right? I mean, it, this guy was very sincere, and you know, he puts his hand on me and you know, in the name of Jesus, you know, heal his eye, and nothing happened. And I just, I, I really felt bad for him, not me, me, because I've been blind all my life. I just felt bad for him, because, I mean, this guy wanted me to be healed, and he absolutely believed, and when, for me, like, nothing happened, I'm just like, well, yeah, that's typical, right? (laughs) So, I just never really looked at organized religion, and so in that sense, I was very sort of philosophically introspective. I was very, I, I considered myself spiritual. Like, I believed in that there was something out there. I just didn't know what it was. <laughs> so I just, to me, Taoism was was very straightforward. It just said, look, the, the universe is there. It, it's been created. And if you sort of believe in this higher power and do what you're supposed to do, you'll be okay. And, you know, ironically, when I started studying Islam, that's exactly what Islam says. <laughs> Believe in the higher power, do what you're supposed to do and you'll be okay. To me that that you know, I, I wasn't I, I began studying Islam probably in nineteen ninety three actually. Uh, when my ex-wife became a, a Muslim. And I was like, my first reaction was like, are you crazy? Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a high opinion of any religion, and all, I, mm-hmm. all you see on the news about Islam isn't usually good. And so I had a pretty low opinion. And so she sent me this little booklet called The Message of Islam by Muhammad Abdullah Khan. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, a very short book, and I'm like, "Yeah, okay, I'll read this. <laughs> it's like... At the end of the book I was my my first thought was like, "Oh my God, I'm Muslim because <laughs> <laughs> there's everything in it and I already agreed with or understood like yeah this, this should be true. I just understood it from a right. like a chinese uh philosophy kind of perspective,
2: so I think that's amazing for me yeah, it was I feel, really I feel shocking. Like so many people sorry i just I feel like so many people if you could do that to them, just give them the book and have them think with an open mind i feel... Yeah, like, and maybe this is my biased, you know, opinion. I think the only conclusion is that Islam is the truth, you know, and it makes complete sense. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a
0: huge but, believer that that if you let somebody read the Quran, if they can, you know, like openly read it, that they will definitely find
2: things that they can't. It'll just blow them away, right? Mm-hmm. So like the context, I'm, you know, considering the time it was revealed, considered it was revealed to a person who was illiterate and all these things and the fact that it can be, you know, crafted in such a way that even for folks that know the Arabic language say it's one of the most poetic pieces of work out there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean for me, like what I do, I've done this since I became a convert, was I have this, this procedure where I will open the Holy Quran at random. And, you know, often I'll have a I'll have a a thing in my mind, like, this is what's bothering me, or, you know, uh, an openness to guidance, and I've I've been collecting these, like, uh, I call them synchronicity selection, and it's like I've never, it's never failed to sort of present things to me that just, you know, like, literally blow my mind, I'm like, wow, look at that. And it usually the thing I love is is the way the Quran, like a single verse, will be just absolutely concise and contained, and, and you just need to read it. You don't need to look at commentary, anything like that, right? Like uh, chapter 2, verse 22, right? We have created you and those who were before you so that you may become righteous. I mean, it's like it's so straightforward and simple,
7: right? So i've
2: always uh, yeah That's yeah, always been my kind of understanding of islam is that it's not a religion that's supposed to make your life harder it's a religion that's supposed to make your life easier and it's just so interesting because you know a lot of people think that the more liberties that you have the more freedom that you have the easier your life is and islam is a religion that you know it grants you a lot of freedom and a lot of liberties but it also kind of gives you a rigid not necessarily rigid but a very you know a way to live your life in terms of this is when you should do your prayers. You should read your Quran in the morning. Yeah. You should, you know, this is how... Well, like, I tell
7: people, um, I, I tell
0: people that society has rights. I mean, everybody in America, it's like, oh, it's my right. I have a right. Yeah. And when I, when you study Islam, it says, yeah, you have rights. Lots, but everybody has rights. And you don't have the right to take away somebody else's right. Right? And so the, the, the types of freedoms that people think are good for them are generally not often good for them. (laughs) Because it's it's based in, I, I tell people that life is essentially really, really simple because there's only two operating conditions. I mean, like how the Quran says, hope and fear. But I explain it to people like there's selfishness, and then, then there is selflessness. And what all religion tries to get you to do, or any real philosophy or belief, is to be- get you to become selfless instead of selfish. And so, like, Islam, when I, you know, the more you study it, you realize that it understands your selfish nature, and it tries to gradually mold you to the point where you become less and less selfish. And by essentially the first step of submitting yourself to God is the only way that you can start to become selfless, because otherwise you're doing everything for you. And it's only like like Dr. Waseem was saying, it's only by doing stuff for other people or sacrificing things that you need or you want for somebody else that you begin to grow spiritually. And that's the whole point again of any religion.
6: Yeah, and you know, I remember we were having this discussion a while back, uh, Gafar Saab, and <clears throat> one of the, I, there was something that you had said that that really resonated with me, and so I, I want to bring it up on the show. And you know, we were talking about a belief in God and science in God, and you know, the the uh, mind of the heart and, and and that whole aspect. And one of the things that you had said was. Uh, you know people often forget because we're such deep thinkers and we're constantly thinking and analyzing that we forget to analyze and think that where did this consciousness even come from this this idea this ability to even be meta and you know if you look at it uh, the human consciousness is really one of the true acts of mercy from God which really took man from being just another creature wandering the earth trying to find basic survival to having the consciousness to be empathetic to follow God, and to, to you know, build upon the world that God's given us.
0: Yeah, well, like, when I was younger, I wasn't religious, so I sort of looked at science to kind of explain, like, why things are, how things happen. So, when you read, uh, when, you, when you study sociobiology, it basically says that because you, uh, your body, you know, like, you need stuff, you're hungry, you're this, you're that... But because we have this ability to think ahead or or conceptualize that we're going to die, usually what atheists and scientists type say is, "Well, because we have foresight, forethought, and foresight that we're the we're the only creatures that we know of that can know that in the future we're going to die, right?" And so, what used to just motivate. Animal behavior based on somebody's trying to eat you, we could now look at, well, okay, I can, I can do this and I can do that, but eventually I'm still going to die. And it's that belief or that understanding that scientists and atheists say motivates people to want to believe in God. And that, that's an easy idea to, to believe and to accept because on a, on a nature and an animal type level, it's, it seems to be true. And what I noticed or what I sort of came to understand was this idea that the fact that we can think of ourselves as being something that should go on somehow or that there's another type of existence somewhere else, whatever, like after we die, it's this fundamental thing that like what people like all throughout all throughout human history they have reported like you know i've had this experience where uh i've seen heaven or i've been somewhere that's like after like people that are in the hospital they'll they'll leave their bodies and they'll see themselves above their bodies and they're you know the doctors are working on them my grandmother had this happen to her and all these type of paranormal or what do you want to call them type experiences indicate that there's something else after what we call physical life or you know like after we die there's something there and it's really our our quest to sort of figure out what that is and so when you people then start studying religion right i, I want to find god and to Do me it's you. like okay
2: Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so I'm thinking, you know, for an atheist or an agnostic that might be watching this show, they might be thinking, well, okay, I understand that folks want to, you know, understand what happens in the afterlife, and religion Mm -hmm. provides a solution, then how much is it so much that religion is just basically filling this void that otherwise people, you know, don't know anything about? And so religion is just kind of creating something for them to satisfy their own habit. Well, so How can you actually, right. you know, in a definitive way, say, hey, there's an afterlife, and this is what points to that, or hey, this is why you should believe in an afterlife? You know, the way I explain it is, <clears throat> I mean, I have a theory, this is sort of my
0: joke with atheists, like, oh, okay, you don't believe in anything after you die, right? No, there's nothing else. Okay. My my view is God is going to give them exactly what they expect. Nothing. <laughs> And to me, that's kind of cool because they're going to die. They know they're going to die, and then they're going to go, hey, I'm still here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Their consciousness is still going to be there, right? And this is what millions and millions of people have always reported. They have a, a near-death experience where they die, and they see something else, or so they, you know, they, they see the next life, and then they come back, and they're like, well, absolutely they believe. Atheists are people who just never went through that and so the 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 cruelty of the probably the cruelest thing would be they die they whatever wake up in the next existence and then there's nothing nothing no god no nothing that would be the absolute hell and so the other issue i always bring up is god never forces you to believe right if you don't believe in god he's going to say okay it's your choice but like Dr. Waseem was saying, and what's been reported or pointed out many times is, you know, like the joke, there's no atheists in foxholes, right? And that's really true. I mean, until you are put into that situation where, you know, you're going to lose your life, or you've gone through this immense tragedy and, you know, awful things have happened, and you have nowhere else to turn, then you turn to God however you are taught to believe in him, you turn to something, right? Even Cat Stevens, you know, the famous singer who became a Muslim. The reason he became a Muslim, he wasn't religious. He was out in the ocean off of the coast of England somewhere, and the tide started, the current started to take him out to sea, right? And his brother had given him, you know, some information on Islam, and so he's being taken out to sea, and he knows he's going to die. And he basically asked God, like, please, God, if you save me, you know, I will, I will believe in you. I'll become a Muslim. And then, miraculously, the, the the current or whatever was taking him out stopped doing that, and he 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 made it to shore and he became a Muslim. But it's like that kind of thing. It's like God's never gonna, you know, badger you into believing in him. But when you need him, it's like it's like what in Islam it teaches. When
2: you turn to God, he will always be there. And so I tell Jonathan, people like to wrap up yeah. the show, what would be your final thought then to the viewers as to what was the defining moment that made you want to become Muslim? I I believe it was I mean I've had experiences that have proved to me the
0: existence of God. That's a separate issue. But to me I look at it like I tell people the word Rab in Arabic is usually translated as Lord or Creator. But its whole definition is, is so empowering. It basically says, it is, Rab is God that created everything, sustains it, keeps it going, and then grows, and then develops you in perfection, in stages. Develops you to perfection in stages. And it was that idea to be developed gradually higher and higher into a spiritual awakening that really got my attention, because up to that point, I'd never found anything that promised to do that or actually did it. And so when I became a Muslim, the first thing I noticed was like, wow, this really works. And that's what I would tell people, like, give it a shot. (laughs) You You have nothing to lose. But try it. It's like, you know, get out there and and walk the walk. Like people are doing Ramadan, but they're not Muslim, right? Or now, ironically, all these women are covering themselves because they have to. But if you just walk the walk and try to learn a little bit, then you will discover this immense universe of love and truth. And it's those two things that will carry you through any... Any hardship, right? To know that God is there, that he's your friend. Like the Quran says, Allah is closer to you than your life arteries. If all you did was meditate on that thought... That is so well said.
6: We we thank you, Gafarsalab, for joining the show and all of our viewers. Join us next week uh, where we'll continue this discussion and maintain... uh, these thoughts and, and and keep going forward. Thank you very much for joining. Assalamualaikum. Peace be on to you.
3: KCAA Loma Linda, 10:50 a.m. 106.5 FM, and now
7: 102.3 FM.